Hello, I am Charles Musgrove, host of the Answers That Count podcast. Thank you for joining us for another exciting show. Do me a favor. Before we get started, hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button because you know you're going to love this podcast. It's going to be a great podcast. We've got some great content coming to you today. We have Tim Ligon with Seton Hill. Tim, welcome to the show today. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. This is going to be a good a good show today. We're going to talk about accounting, financial statements, and really we're going to bring this to real life, real world, current economic conditions. We're going to talk about the minimum wage increase that we're seeing across many of the states in the United States. We're going to talk about inflationary costs that these restaurants are going through and really what the options are that the restaurant owner has to manage these cost increases over the long term. So, Tim, this is going to be a great show. Buckle up. Before we get started, I want to give a, a special shout out to Seton Hill. So I know that is the company that you've partnered with. Uh, and, and John, if you can put up that, I want to read just a little a little bit of information about Seton Hill to give them special props for today. Seton Hill Partners, they are the fastest growing strategic CFO service firm in the nation. Can you believe that, Tim? That's uh, You've joined a, a big a big firm there. For more than a decade, our client's success is our mission there at Seton Hill. Seton Hill, Seton Hill Partners deliver the finance and operations ex expertise only a team of veteran business finance executives can bring. We position our clients for sustained long-term growth and success in today's complex business environment experience matters. You want to call them for a no-cost consultation, 850-524-0211, or check them out on setonhill.com. So, Tim, you have joined up with a great company there with Seton Hill. So, you, ha you bring with, with you a great amount of restaurant experience. Now, I know you weren't in the back kitchen flipping hamburgers and, and making salads and doing all that stuff, but you're the financial guy. So you were shoulder to shoulder with the owners of these large restaurant groups. So you weren't just the, the accountant or bean counter for one restaurant. You were, you were part of a large organization. So tell us a little bit about the positions and the experience that you've had working with restaurants. Very good. Thanks, Charles. Um, I grew up in a family grocery business, so I understand, you know, the small operation side and then went to work for uh, the largest franchisee of Applebee's. We started with about 50 restaurants and grew it to 280 restaurants. Um, I was the division controller for that organization. And then we also acquired um, some other companies, uh, Don Pablo's, Hops, McCormick and Schmick and Canyon Cafe. Uh, worked my way up to corporate controller. Uh, I was really an operations-based um, uh, CFO uh, finance guy. Uh, most recently, I worked with a nonprofit um, that also ran a culinary college and had um, restaurants and conference centers and even a private uh, club. So uh, about 30 years of plus of a finance background, I'm a CPA and uh Glad to be here and glad to be with Seton Hill now. Well, good. Well, Tim, that is uh, that's a that's a lot of great experience in in the restaurant industry, and we've seen the restaurant industry. They've really been in the news over the past year. They they were probably one of the industries that was hardest hit during COVID. So there was a lot of attention on the restaurant industry, and in at least in the state of Florida, and there's been many other states recently also they've gone through a mandated minimum wage increase 
So I know that that right now you're you live in the state of Georgia and Georgia has not passed a state mandated minimum wage increase. So you still have in the state of Georgia, the restaurant owners there have the benefit of a tip credit and they're able to get a FICA tip credit as well. So I know that's a little bit in the weeds, but we want to talk big picture since you've got great experience working with those restaurant groups that were in multiple states, you've got a lot to offer as far as what these restaurants should, what they're going to be encountering if they're in one state, if they're in multiple states on dealing with not only the minimum wage increase, but the inflationary cost across the board. And how should they, how should they battle that? You know, how should they manage those increases? So we want to touch on that to end today's show. So I think with your experience, you're going to really provide a great voice and some great recommendations and insight on what these restaurant owners should be considering as they're probably on the front end of a large increase in cost over the next few years. Sure. So, you know, my, my first word of advice is start planning now and do some modeling to make sure that you understand uh, what the different options are out there. So as Charles was saying that in Georgia, we haven't had a pricing or a uh, increase in uh, minimum wage, but Florida has. Uh, Florida is um, going from, is it, you know, 865 um, in the end of September, it's going to $10. Right. Uh, there is a tip credit uh, portion that's uh, that you can bring that down $3 and uh, 3.02. Yes. Yeah, 3.02. Right. State of Florida still so, has that 3.02 tip credit that's going to, or that's going to follow the increase in minimum wage. So when, when Florida hits 15 in 2026, the tip minimum wage is going to be 1198. So think about that. That is, Tim, that is a 116% increase in the tip minimum wage in the state of Florida for that time period. That That's a significant increase. Right. And, at, you know, every um, kind of every state is looking at the minimum wage increase. The federal government has uh, had some proposals that haven't passed yet, um, and they they were going to $15 without a tip credit. Right. And so the legislation nationally and then local municipalities have the right to increase in their areas um, even above what the minimum wage is and that, that it, it's uh, the federal minimum wage. So the, the, it's coming yeah. and we got to get busy and there's uh, some different uh, restaurant groups out there that have looked at different options. One of them uh, is uh, the um, El Gauchos out of uh, Seattle. Right. Uh, they have gone to a service charge with a um, sales commission. And right. so how that would work is that it, and they've done a big campaign to educate their um, their guests how this works is that every uh, charge, it automatically has a service charge. And we're all sort of used to that if you've been out to dinner with a party of six or eight or above, and it says you're going to get 20% added to your ticket. Right. Well, this is every ticket. Right. And so one of the options is that you you go that route and you and it takes an education of your your guest of why you're doing it and um, and then sort of you know the guest pays that and it becomes revenue for the organization and then you pay the employee at minimum wage or above and then you pay them a sales commission 
based off of uh, an addition to the minimum wage. Right. And their goal and what they found is, is that they're getting their employees to a uh, sustainable living wage versus and a and having a consistent wage versus the peaks and valleys of making a little bit of nothing one day and the feast and famine right of the the server world yeah it's interesting you you talk about el gaucho that's uh we've had several conversations with with the owner of that restaurant group uh chad mckay and he has, it's, it's interesting, in, in the Seattle area, he implemented that model back in probably six years ago when Seattle first started that march upwards on their, their minimum wage increases. And um, they actually do a $1 per hour minimum wage, and then they do a sales commission of 15% for all of the sales that that server or bartender is responsible for. So it's a, it's a very interesting model. And the success he's had with that has just been tremendous, both from his standpoint, where he's not he's not had profit erode as as these increases in cost have have occurred, and his servers and bartenders have made more money than what they made under a tipping model, and his customers have been satisfied. So it's really a a win 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 based on the the encounter that he's experienced and the success that he's had implementing that service charge and commission-based pay for servers and bartenders. Right. And so, you know, it, it, it's not a one size fits all. And I think that it works better for a higher ticket um, than it does for, you know, it, if you're doing a um, counter service or you're doing um, you know, you're, it, it may not be the so. Another alternative is the uh, the the European model. Charles, I'm gonna break. I'm getting my right. screen keeps freezing. We're we're back now. So, okay, Tim, we were talking about the 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 commission model is. Um, you know, you can't have one size fits all, and I think that even even goes to the details of if you decided. If you made the analysis and you determined that the commission model and service charge was the right model, there's there's various uh, decision points that you have to make within that. What service charge do you charge your customers? What commission do you pay your servers and bartenders? Do you also pay them? What is the minimum wage that you pay them, or their wage that they get in addition to this, in addition to the commission? So there's a lot of factors to consider that. Even if you choose the service charging commission, but there's other options out there also. You mentioned the the European model. So describe what you mean by the European model. So with the European model is the service charge is built into the price of the entree and um, appetizers and so forth. So if you have see a $20 item, um, you know that's what you're gonna pay. You're not gonna go, okay, well it's 20 plus, I'm gonna pay 20% more on that, so it's really a $24 item, it's it's a $20 item. And so, um, you know, in some respects that seems great and you don't have to do an additional tip, you're, you're welcome to, but it also, you know, does that create a um, initiative from the server for to go on and above for excellent service? Yeah. 
because you know if you know that it I'm, I'm guaranteed this then are they going to put in the extra effort right and, and I, yeah i think you're exactly right in that model in that european model the the price increase is built into the entrees or the items that you order and on so that's on the customer side and then on the employee side those servers and wait staff they're paid a designated rate per hour so they have they get no benefit for good service or no downside for bad service so you're exactly right there's no incentive there's no economic incentive built into that model so that they will have they will provide good service because they're going to get paid more money so that that is uh if you if you talk to people that have visited or if you visited uh a european country one of the comments is always we don't if we're used to what we get in in the u.s with good service and we're able to incentivize our wait staff then we have better service we don't want to go to that european model from a service standpoint and then a, another area of opportunity that some uh, restaurants are looking at is more of an administrative fee you know adding two or three percent just to the check you know, if you stayed at a resort sometimes you've seen that where it's just an automatic fee on top of it right um, but it does help to cover some of the additional costs that are uh, that they are incurring as the business owner, the restaurant tour to, to make that um, to cover the bottom line. Right. And then a, a third area or I guess it's fourth area that the um, restaurants are looked at is um, is, a, is profit sharing. And so having something, the more we make, the more you make. And um, it, it, and that is, you know, a, a double-edged sword, whether, you know, you, you want to go to that or if you're able to uh, do that profit sharing, but it is an option that should be explored. And then another uh, area that um, some are looking at is looking that, you know, do I need to change my mode of business and go away from the server model and go straight to a counter service? Right. Um, and then you're eliminating um, that cost and then dealing with, you know, what do I pay the server and, and what the, the path is and go back to the basics that, you know, they can control a little bit more. And, um, and you're seeing more and more counter services with the whole explosion over the uh, past years of the uh, fast casual, right, that people are more used to coming and, you know, and, and, some people like it because they don't have to tip. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I, I know what I'm, what my cost is going to go going in and I get, know what the quality is and, and they make those decisions. Yeah. I think a lot of, uh, even with this COVID thing we've had over the, over the past year in 2020, people got accustomed to something similar to a counter service where maybe they were picking up and taking out, but they weren't dining in a restaurant. So, uh, I think we're going to see technology to continue to improve to really make the the people that are working more efficient. Therefore, they can do more. Therefore, you have less less employees, less labor dollars, but you have a higher technology cost. So, I think you're going to see all of those. And and uh, one of the things that you you started out is begin the planning process now. Go ahead and and do the analysis on these different options, so you'll know which one fits you best. And the one that you, you mentioned last was a change of the model. So if you're a full-service restaurant 
and you look to maybe we maybe maybe the alternative or the best option for us is to change our model to a to a, a counter service type model. So that's a pretty dramatic change when you do that because it's going to have an effect on your revenue. So we've talked to restaurant owners that have that have gone either from a, a fast casual to a full service or or vice versa, and it does have an impact on the revenue now. You can't put revenue in in the bank. You put bottom line profits in the bank. So that's what you have to look at is what's the ending bottom line that I'm going to have. So Tim, one of the things that that we that we've kind of touched on is if you go to this service charge model, then you're going to go away from a tip model. Therefore, you won't have the financial or tax advantage of the FICA tip credit. So what's your what are your thoughts on? the benefits of that FICA tip credit and how to do the analysis to when you see that decreased or that it goes away if you go to that service charge model? Well, I think you you probably have some restaurateurs that are not taking advantage of the FICA tip credit, that it's, you know, a model that you have to apply for and 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 work and, and do the calculations. And so the the owner has responsibilities to be able to, to claim that FICA tip credit with ensuring that the server is uh, recording their tips um, and making sure that they're paid with their tips and what you're paying below the minimum wage is that you're getting them back above the, at least the minimum wage. Right. And then the server has the responsibility um, that has always been there uh, is to to claim not only their credit card tips but their cash tips. Right. And so, um, in, in doing that FICA tip credit, it it's uh, you know your payroll service uh, should be able to provide you some guidance, and and of course we could help you uh, guide through that area um, to to create whether the FICA tip credit is the elimination of it if you're going with a service charge and a, and a sales commission of, you know, are you going to get that benefit and or lose that benefit? And is the, out, um, the outcomes going to be greater by having the service model? Um, and then the other piece that you got to factor in with all this is, you know, the cost of benefits. Right. And are you going to be providing, are you providing benefits? And we've all seen that, you know, the cost of medical insurance just every year is up and up and up and continuing. But, you know, uh, if you're not giving benefits, that's a portion that you really need to be looking at before it becomes mandated that you have to. Right. Um, and so factoring those in and, you know, how do I need to tweak my business model to, to be able to um, get the, get the employee paid the, the new minimum wage or, you know, how you're going to build yours, but then also the benefits and still be able to sustain going forward. Right. And it's, you know, when you have those, like your wage increases and your minimum wage increases, then, then not only does that have an impact on the benefits, but it also has a, has an impact on the taxes, your payroll taxes, your insurance, your workers' comp insurance. So, all of those also ha are a ripple effect of the increase in your in that wage cost. So, you know, it's it, you really can't just look at what's going to happen to minimum wage, but you also have the ripple effect into other areas. And then you've got the wage compression issue too, which is another factor that needs to be considered. You know, if you if you're paying somebody now 
the the bottom line minimum wage or near that and minimum wage is going up then you're going to have to increase those people that are that are close to that minimum wage as it is right you you probably have been paying your back of the house people above minimum wage right and so you know if they're at 12 15 dollars an hour and then the minimum wage is going up they're going to go up then your hourly management and your your salary management they're going to be pushing up against them so the compression is is a very real uh thing that you have to model in uh, those those effects right exactly right so when you when you're dealing with these multi-unit um uh, franchises in the past and you're in multiple states what's the what is it like to deal with the complexity of the the taxing laws and the wage and hour laws in different states? It, it's very dramatic uh, differences between states. And so uh, you can't just mandate and say, we're going to have uh, one one wage across the country. Um, you have to look at it, you know, within a state and within the cities of what is dictating it and the cost of living in those locations drives what the hourly rate is. And then are you competitive to uh, attract employees? So right now we all know how hard it is. Uh, we uh, go into restaurants. I was in the Panhandle about a month ago and uh, one of the restaurants we went into was seating one of the seating areas um, because that's all the employees they had to do. Right. And where the rest of the restaurant was sitting empty. So you've got to look at it, um, you know, the. Uh, federal subsidy for unemployment and uh, states are starting to roll off of that. Um, and then, you know, what is the rate that you're going to have to pay? The pandemic, because of people wanting to work, has increased the hourly wages in itself just to attract uh, employees, the limited people that were wanting to work. And so those costs, you know, it, it's you start higher, you bring them in at that price. It's you can't take them back right, down. Right. You got to continue and maintain that. And so that's raised your elevation of it. And then we also have the fact that the PPP and the other government subsidies are wearing off. That's and, right. You know, they've been people have burned through those. Um, or they've, you know, whether they've had to or they've, you know, reinvested in their business. But those funds, you know, I, I don't see them, uh, you know, coming when unemployment is back, um, you know, where it, it should be. Right. And so, uh, again, the, you know, the challenges of running a restaurant, you know, and the complexity with um, tip credits and, and different things is much more than just a standard retail operation. It is it is very complex. And, and right now, uh, with with the government money that's been available, what we've seen, the incentives with uh, the unemployment incentives that the government has paid has, has really had, a I think, an unintended consequence to what who's in the labor labor pool right now. So, your your experience that you talked about there, where you went to a Florida restaurant and there they were seating in one area. That's reality. A lot of these restaurant owners are having a difficult time getting the employees they need to be at full operation, and the customers are out there now. People are they're back into spending money. They're back to going to restaurants. So uh, it's almost like they're the customers are overpowering what the what a lot of these restaurants are able to to provide right now. So. How long that continues, we don't know, but I think you you really revealed another 
factor that you've got to make sure that you account for and that things are wages have been pushed up now just because of the the demand for employ, employees. So is this the time to look at a model that is going to be like commission-based? It's going to really uh, make that compensation of uh, truly variable cost based on the sales that happen. So now could be the right time to do the evaluation. To uh, It may be the right time to implement some of those significant changes that you would think, hey, we're doing good. We don't want to upset the apple cart right now. We'll ex it could be that the exact opposite is true. Now could be the opportune time to make those changes. Absolutely. You need to look at it and figure it out today so you can be ahead of the game. You know, trying to change something between now and September 30th may not, you know, be feasible, but you know a year from now you're going to bump another dollar and then another dollar and another dollar. And so um, with, um, and then, you know, we don't know from a federal level what the mandates are going to um, do, uh, but we know that they're out there. Yep. And so um, something is coming. And if you just sit and rest on your laurels, then, you know, it's going to pass you by. And then you're going to wonder how, how am I going to make my next payroll? Exactly. You're going to be unprepared. And we've seen States that are on the left coast, they've already implemented a lot of these cost increases. California, we talked about Washington, Seattle, Oregon. The federal government has talked about that. They've kind of revealed what their intent is, which is uh, they're going to jump right into 15 across all the all the locations in the United States with no tip credit. So, you know, you're looking at some dramatic changes if if those are are implemented on a federal basis. So, you're right. The time to do it is now. The time to plan is now. And Tim, before we jump off, what is your email address? Let's let's leave that for the viewers. It's uh, Tim dot Ligon L I G O N at SeatonHill.com. Tim, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. You have provided some great information with your experience working with restaurants, and we want to make sure that we provide great service to the restaurants and really provide good content to help them navigate these changes and these cost increases that they're going to be facing for now into the near near future that we see. Well, thank you, Charles. It's been Appreciate a gr it. great deal. It's been a great show. Thank you for watching the Answers That Count podcast. I'm your host, Charles Musgrove. If you haven't done it, please hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button because this has been an awesome show. Thanks to Tim. Check us out next time on Answers That Count. Have a great day. Have a blessed week. Peace.